0: The Higher Education Public Relations Spin Machine is on Fast Spin because it is a season of boastful college press releases. Hi, welcome to This Week in College Viability. My name is Gary Stocker. And as we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode, if your college is not already out there saying we have fabulous enrollment, it's also the time of the year to be very concerned about your college's financial health. And viability. And let's start off with going to Inside Higher Education, a rather highly regarded publication. Inside Higher Education, and Mr. Liam Knox on September seventh, kind of did a softball story. I, I guess I'm mistaken that only regional media outlets were doing softball stories on colleges, kind of serving as their mouthpiece presenters. I I guess based on what Mr. Knox wrote here, that Inside Higher Education is. Also getting in on that action, Mr. Gennaro Balcazar, Dominican's Senior Vice President Dominican Universities Senior Vice President for, en- for Enrollment Management and Strategy, and that's an interesting job title combination, noted that the answer to shoring up enrollment is often simpler than institutions assume. All right. So he, I'm going to quote him here. He says, a lot of it is just blocking and tackling. The football analogy is there, modest at best. He goes on to add, are we doing the baseline stuff right when it comes to retention and recruitment? Schools tend to think, he adds, that a new partnership or a new vice president or program is what they need. And I've said that many times. And he he finishes up with, and what I've found is that usually the basics make the biggest impact in the long term. So what is... Really doing admissions, blocking, and tackling, and as we always do here at College Viability, to the data we go for Dominican University in Illinois from the period 2014 to 2021 in the 2023 College Viability app, Dominican University. Enrollment is down 8%, a little over 220 students out of a total enrollment of about 2,500. The four-year graduation rate over that same eight years is at 45%. The six-year graduation rate is barely a coin toss at 52%. Folks, I got to think that part of the blocking and tackling in colleges is graduating students. And Dominican isn't the only one not graduating students, but they really need to think through their phrases if they're talking about blocking and tackling and they aren't graduating folks. The data continues. Their endowment is at a very weak $39 million. Their admission yield, and you've heard me call that, the popularity indicator is down six points over the last reported years. And their unfunded institutional grants are down $9 million. And all that means is they have to give away the store or give away more of the store to get students to enroll. And as I have shared before, nothing wrong with that for the students. It's probably no way to be able to long-term run a financially healthy college. And the same story in Inside Higher Education on Mr. Knox talks about um, Bethany College. And this is the Bethany College in West Virginia. I think there's another one in Ohio. And again, to the data we go, their enrollment is down 26% on a much smaller base of 555 students in 2021, down to nine hundred and ninety-five students. I went to College Navigator, which is a federal source that does have one year more data than iPads has, and it shows that their 2022 data was 623. But here's how Bethany College, and I don't have the name of the person who said this in front of me, here's their spin. In quote, up, we are up 60% from 2021 to 2023. Hmm, I, I, I think back, and wasn't 2021 a pandemic-induced low-enrollment point for colleges. If we look at the data from 2014, it's down at Bethany College in West Virginia, about 120 students. And for those who missed their statistics class when they talk about sample size, they probably said something to the effect that two years, like the folks at Bethany College in West Virginia are talking about, does not a trend make. We use eight years on our college viability app, and we regularly make the, make the point that if your enrollment hasn't gone up in eight years or if it has gone up in eight years, that's a trend. If your graduation rate has been flat at something below 50% over four years for the last eight years, that's a trend. Two years is just spinning, and that's not what we're looking at. So really the disease here I guess if there is such a thing, is, is selective data presentations. So Bethany College in West Virginia is spinning things. I can understand colleges spinning. We all spin to some form or fashion. But what I'm really concerned about here is that Inside Higher Education didn't really do their homework and just just kind of regurgitated the numbers from Bethany College in West Virginia. I might suggest to Mr. Knox of Inside Higher Education, that a little critical thinking might be in order for future stories. And the next one that hit my radar, this was just last evening, Sunday evening, and this might be my favorite for the week, although sometimes it's tough to pick them. I'm going to read you the headline, Limestone University. Names Acting New President Following the Resignation of the Interim President. And Limestone University. For those of you not in South Carolina, it's in South Carolina. And I'll include the link to all of these stories in the show notes. Here's the note from the Board of Trustees at Limestone College in South Carolina. In a message to the campus community, Vice President for Finance and Administration Jeremy Walker, excuse me, Jeremy Whitaker, was announced as the acting president until the Board of Trustees names a replacement interim president and ultimately a full-time president. Somebody find my Advil. I'm getting a headache trying to find out what the good folks at Limestone University in South Carolina are trying to do. Mr. Whitaker, Mr. Jeremy Whitaker, I wish you the very best. You'll need it. To the data we go. 2014 to 2021, the National Center for Education Statistics enrollment, Mr. Whitaker, is down about a 1,000 students, almost 40%. Your four-year undergraduate graduation rate, Mr. Whitaker, is up to 27%. In 2014, it was 13%. I don't know if that's progress or not. The admission yield, the popularity indicator, as I call it, is down 11 points from 29 to 18. The percent accepted is really really tells you the story it's up 35 points from 37 excuse me from 32 to 87 points and that's not right but it's up 35 points and I'm I'm guessing that the new motto that maybe limestone university is seeking to find is breathe oxygen will admit you their percent exception is up 35 points their endowment is a low 26 million tuition and fees are down 10 million and just like we saw Previously, with the good folks at Bethany College and Dominican University, the unfunded institutional grants, the discount increases that these colleges are having to offer to students is up $7 million over the last reported, IPEDS reported, eight years. And so what I'm seeing at Limestone College is, if you would please, will the last president, interim or otherwise, please turn out? The lights. And more seriously, to the students and the faculty and staff at Limestone in South Carolina, ask questions, ask lots of questions. Be concerned. You have every reason to be and consider your options. And we started off the podcast by talking about this tis the season for colleges to boast about enrollment. And I think in a previous podcast, I've shared that colleges are really good at spinning this. Some justifiably, but most, they're spinning it to make a good point, like we saw earlier with the 21 to 23 week analysis. Um, But here's the point I want to make, and I usually do this during, during the summer months, and I didn't get it done this year. But if your college, private or public, is not making announcements about how their enrollment is going strong, is better than it was, it's probably time to start looking for the panic button. Now, trust me, your college will spin bad enrollment news like it's a success. There are countless ways they do this. And like I shared earlier, my favorite is when they compare bad enrollment numbers to low enrollment numbers from panic years to say, hey, we have grown lots even though the base of their numbers during the pandemic years when enrollment was really low across most, if not all, colleges. And that's just not good. Let's move on to a good story, I think. And again, in the last week, uh, Washington University here in St. Louis announced they would have what they call a debt-free, D-E-B-T, debt-free education. And they're not going to include student loans in the financial aid packages they offer to their students. congratulations. Not surprised. Uh, I've read and heard stories about this previously that it was going to happen or might happen. But let's look at this. And again, WashU deserves all the credit in the world. They have a massive endowment. They can afford to do this. They are one of the elites. They're one of the top 20, 30 elites, if not higher than that, in the country. But really, this is for elites only. There's hardly any way that this unilaterally catches on to the 2,000-plus non-selective public and private colleges that aren't WashU and Harvard and Princeton and Ohio State University and those big publics and privates. But here's the question I think we need to think about. What happens if this debt-free education at the, the, the acknowledged elite University, Washington University, what happens if this raises awareness of families in non-selectives, the other 2,000 plus, who start asking, probably in small numbers, who start asking for no loans to be put in their financial aid packages. There's already a small army of private college counselors out there encouraging their clients to not use loans. It's tough to speculate on what's going to happen, but I would offer this. I think... I think we're in an era, I believe, not I think, I believe, folks, we're in an era that in the not-too-distant future, we're all going to look back and say, we should have seen this coming. The challenging part is I don't I don't know what the this is. There's so much change going on in higher education. If all of a sudden loans become a business issue or a political issue, as they, as they already have, What's that going to do to higher education? I want to move on to college boards, boards of trustees. Sometimes they're called boards of governors, board of governors. I've been working with someone else, writing an article about how college boards are really messing up their presidential search process. We're looking for a major publisher right now on this article, but, but the effort has me wondering how much, I guess I'll call it reverse due diligence, should college presidential candidates do on do for colleges or on college boards recruiting them? Now, I understand that getting a college presidential gig is a big deal. The stature is substantial. The compensation is way above average. And... It appears if you get one presidential gig and if it works out or doesn't work out, there are opportunities to get others. But while our College Viability app, lets will let you compare the financial health and viability of both public and private colleges, while our College Viability app has many uses, I think one of the most innovative uses will be for these firms that are higher education, return, excuse me, retained, executive search firms to make the app available to their presidential candidates. I'm reading more and hearing more and more instances of presidents starting anew at a college somewhere and realizing that they were sold a financial bill of goods by the Board of Trustees and their representatives. The numbers I have read are fictional at best and dishonest at worst. I think our app, I know our app, would enable potential college presidents to have a much earlier handle on colleges whose financial health is circling the drain and may be in a position where they can't survive long term. Western Illinois University, Macomb, Illinois, in the middle of nowhere. They have been in, bad, in my bad news section or in the bad news section of colleges for quite a few years. The college is located in Macomb, Illinois, and you really can't get there from here. And like many, the Board of Trustees has apparently unsuccessfully cycled through presidents and admission leaders without any substantive improvements in either operating finances or enrollment. So I was, I was, I was looking with great anticipation to the 2023 enrollment announcements from Western Illinois University. And last week they delivered for me. They said their enrollment is going up. It was so heavily qualified that I'm not sure I'm even gonna make the effort to explain it to you. I will, however, always go back to the data. And I went to the 2022 Audited financial statement for Western Illinois, a public college in Western Illinois, and their operating loss was $160 million. Now, let me be upfront here. Effectively, every public college in business has a net operating loss. They're subsidized with taxes and much more, so it's expected that public colleges will have an operating loss. But it's important to note that for all of the spin that the, the chronically financially challenged Western Illinois University has had—that they need a bare minimum $160 million a year to make ends meet—and it does show up. I looked at their non-operating revenue again, taxes and other public support, and it was $156 million. So the net negative was $4 million: 160 minus 156. Their enrollment, down 4,000. However, they were up about 200 plus, 250 on graduate enrollment. Like too many, probably most, that's probably not fair, like too many, their four- and six-year graduation rates for undergrads were 32 and 52% respectively. Not good. I just continue to shake my head. I know this is an audio podcast. If it were video, you would see me shaking my head. Their institutional expenses were up 50% from $2,200 per student to $3,600 per student. You hear those stories about colleges, and this is an example of it. Interestingly, their instruction per FTE per student was up about $4,500 over that last eight-year period. And as you heard me say before, the admissions yield, the popularity indicator, was down four points from 22% to 18%. And the quote from Western Illinois is this, Western Illinois University has worked tirelessly over the last year, to recruit and retain students. While there is a decline in overall enrollment, they say in this quote, we are proud of the progress we have made in continuing to make Western Illinois University a place students want to come and graduate from, said Western Illinois University President Gio Huang. Mr. Huang added, that Western provides outstanding educational opportunities for everyone. And once a student enrolls and becomes a Leatherneck, that's the school's nickname, they are a Leatherneck for life, sir, that's not the case at all because you only graduate not even half. Your retention rate is only 70%, so out of every 100 who show up as a freshman, only 70 stay around. It's not a terrible number, but let's be upfront. There are retention issues or enrollment issues there are financial issues at Western Illinois. And let's go to the other side of Illinois, because Illinois, while not on my list of high-risk states, those are Iowa, Wisconsin, New York, and Pennsylvania, I could easily put them on there. Eastern Illinois, from the story, Charleston, Illinois, this is from the Journal, Gazette, and Times Courier on September 7th, international grad students' boy, increase, Eastern Illinois Illinois University Enrollment is the headline. Eastern Illinois, it's reported, has reported a slight decrease in total enrollment, we've heard that before, for fall semester 2023. And here's where the spin starts. It is offset somewhat by international and graduate student numbers growing to record levels. EIU reported that increases in international and graduate student populations have helped the university maintain a stable fall to fall 10th day enrollment overall. And of course the 10th day is when colleges typically report their enrollment for a fall term. The university's headcount for 2023 is 8,800 and change compared to 8,857 last year, it's down 50 some odd students. To the data we go and to the college viability app we go where we compile the data. In 2014, Eastern Illinois had a total enrollment of 8,900, nine years, no growth. You make your own decisions. And let's look at two more stories. And the first one is from KCRG ABC News, Abigail Curtin. And she reports that the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa have all been experiencing downward trends in enrollment in the last decade. Nothing new there. The University of Iowa is down 2,000 students, Northern Iowa is down 3,500, and Iowa State is down about 6,000. While the universities in this release report a slight uptick this year, I don't have the numbers in front of me, this doesn't take into account what what college insiders typically call MELT. And that's when students don't stick around after committing or even enrolling and showing up for the first day. So Iowa, and we've seen issues before, and Iowa is one of the states on my high-risk list. Um, They're flat, if not down, for this year. And we'll see that data trend from other years as well. And then Lyon College. And this is a small college in Arkansas. And this story, this final story for this episode, is from the Batesville Daily Guard, uh, it's written by Lion College. All right? Go figure. Uh, they wrote their own story. And they're engaging in some serious numbers massaging here. Lion College reported about 700 students in 2014. This is their iPads data. They are now babbling about the success eight years, really nine years later, enrolling 587. I may do the math here. 700 minus 587. They're down 100. And 33, did I do that right? 133 students over eight years. Should I also bring up the graduation rate? of The four-year graduation rate of 37%, down 12 points in the last eight reported IPEDS years. The admissions yield is flat. That's interesting. It's it's flat at 21%, not a bad number. I don't really know what to make of that, but, but there's something good going on there. Tuition and fee revenue is flat for the last eight years. It's up a little bit, but not much more than couch money. And here's the quote. And this is from from the provost, Kirk Grafton at Lyon College. He says, high school students and college students looking to transfer are very sophisticated when they are comparing colleges. All right. I'm not sure I'm going to grant that premise. He goes on to say, they know that not all diplomas carry the same value. He concludes by saying it's gratifying to see more and more students recognizing the exceptional opportunities available at Lyon College. And I will add, yeah, let me suggest to the good folks at Lyon College a new marketing tagline, and it is, we graduate 30 out of every 100 students who enroll. And so to conclude through all of the silly season, of admissions announcements, let me, let's remember to ask, who is the fiduciary? Who's looking out for the best interests of students and their parents, faculty, and the community? (laughs) Despite what college leaders say, it's definitely not college leaders and their boards of trustees. You see that in the regular broadcasts we have for our episodes of This Week in College Viabilities. So for students and parents, Here at College Viability, we'll give you the perspective you need to make the most informed decision about colleges you are considering. There are some good opportunities, but there are way, way, way too many bad, financially challenged, probably not viable colleges out there. And for faculty and staff and other stakeholders, come to College Viability to get the guidance and the data that you need to engage your leadership in transparent conversations about where your college is, where it has been, and where it's headed. This has been Gary Stocker. I am Gary Stocker. This has been This Week in College Viability for September 11th, 2023.